Thank you, Edwin and team. Thank you, Dan, for hosting the prayer time. Thanks to all of you who had the courage to share. It's not an easy thing to do. Stand up in front of people and speak from your heart. Thoroughly enjoying Estevan. Uh, yesterday I had a new experience. We brought our grandson with us, and the um, hotel we were staying at last night didn't have a pool, so I had to find a leisure center. And we just had a great time. Wow, what a facility. It's kind of buried there in the middle of the city and didn't even know it was there. Very impressive. We had a, had a great time at the Leisure Center and uh, yeah, just thoroughly enjoyed it. What a, what a gem in the city to have. We've been looking at the book of Ephesians and working our way through it rather quickly and rather large strokes. And in the first part of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, it's around page 1080 in the Bibles in your pew there, if you want to grab those Bibles, page 1080, page 1081, where we'll be today. But the early part of Ephesians is, is Paul reminding us, reminding the Ephesian Christians of all the spiritual blessings, all the wonderful gifts we have from God through Jesus. It's the blessings, it's the privileges, it's the goodness of God that has flowed to us through Jesus. And so Paul recounts, and this is sort of the, the doctrinal part of, of, the, of the book of Ephesians, as it's sometimes talked about, the first three chapters, doctrine and theology, but it's about all the things that God has done for us. And it just kind of flows, and it's kind of the response that from the passage Edwin read in Revelation chapter 5, but it kind of happens on earth. It's the worthiness of our Savior because of all that he has done for us, the sacrifice he's made for us, the love of God that has been poured out for us. And it kind of rolls kind of concept after concept of all the things that God has done for us. The blessing, the privileges, the benefits that come to us. And in the famous words of Uncle Ben, Peter Parker's uncle, with great privilege comes great responsibility. With great privilege. And Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is all about the privilege, the benefits, the blessings that we have in Christ. And it's kind of words on paper. It's kind of words that if we were to put it on the PowerPoint, it would be words on a screen. But how do we bring how do we bring that reality to have an impact on our lives? And so the first three chapters of Ephesians are about what God has done for us. And the last chapters of Ephesians, the last three chapters of Ephesians, primarily four, five, and six, are about what we do with those blessings, how we live with those blessings, how we conduct ourselves, our practice, or the word that's used in Ephesians. Uh, a lot is the word walk, used eight times in the book of Ephesians, but the way we conduct ourselves, the way we live our lives. So from this great blessing and benefit of all that God has done for us comes this way to live. And last week we talked about it at the beginning of chapter four, we looked at what is really the Ephesians versions of the fruit of the spirit. You know, last week, uh, in the uh, Caraway Street departure, they, they were talking about patience, and I don't know if you remember, 
I said something about, okay, parents, talk to your kids about what they learned about patience, because we were talking about patience, because in the first part of Ephesians 4, it talks about, um, let me go back to it, have the right flip here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And so I said last week about, you know, talk to your kids about what they learned about patience, what we learned about patience, and maybe we can grow together. Well, these, in a sense, are the fruits of the Spirit, just worded differently for, for, the, for the Christians in Ephesus. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So here's my project now. If your kids in Caraway Street are learning about the fruit of the Spirit, Talk to them about what they learned and put that together with what we're hearing from God's word today. And you know, maybe I should be the guy next week that sends the kids off to Fairway Street and see how the homework went. I don't know. I don't know. That's not me. That's not me. But interest, isn't it? Like, as a preacher, I'm encouraged to find out that the place I'm going with you is the place they're going in Caraway with the kids. That just kind of makes my day. It's like, okay, I'm not crazy. Be humble, verse 4-2. Be completely humble. Be completely humble. Wow, there's a, there's a work project for all of us, I think, eh? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then later on in verse 10, Paul talked about how God has equipped the church, his body, to fulfill the things that God wants us to do. So what Paul is going to say is, Here's what God has done for us. Now, here's what God wants us to do. Here's what God's done for us. Here's the way we live. Here's the way we conduct ourselves. And he has equipped us to do that by giving us gifts. In particular, the gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, the gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. So the means by which this all comes into play, the means in which the benefits and the blessings and the privileges of God are fueled, are flamed into action, are fanned into heat, are framed is by the gifts of the Spirit. And the goal is unity. Not fictional unity, but functional unity. Growing up, not growing apart. And so we've got a lot of ground to cover, and we're going to kind of cover it quickly. I encourage you to, on your own, kind of take these uh, verses from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, over through to chapter 6, verse 9, and read through them on your own. We're just going to kind of skim through them really quickly. I encourage you to dig a little deeper. Verses 17 to 24 of chapter 4, uh, in my Bible it says, living as children of light. Another way to look at it is to live with closed minds versus open hearts. And here again, Paul goes back to the way we were and the way we are, and he uses the way we used to be before we came to Christ, and that contrast. But he says, I tell you, verse 17, I tell you this and insist on in the Lord, no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. One of the things that separations followers of Jesus from those who are not followers of Jesus is a heart. A heart that refuses to listen a heart that refuses to learn, a heart that refuses to search and dig and pursue. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. So they're insensitized 
to their sensitivity in, in many ways. Verse 20, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught. Notice the teaching words here. Notice the teaching words here. Very important. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is a cognitive part to our understanding, right? Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. You put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And to put on the new self. If God doesn't do that, i got to do that. And I do that by changing the way I think about things. We talked about it last week. Seeing things, seeing people the way God sees them. And that requires a shift. You know, I thought of it sometimes as I hear people's testimonies of how they came to Christ, and, and they talk about they came to Christ, and all of a sudden they see some things automatically different. But other things they don't see different, and they got to learn, and they got to grow, and they got to mature to understand. None of us gets the whole package dropped on us when we become a follower of Jesus. Some things do become clear, and we know what needs to be done. But there's a whole lot of other stuff that we still need to keep understanding what the implications are, and what needs to be put on, and what needs to be put off. Verse 24, to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Interesting. The opposite of truth here, the opposite of speaking the truth, because Paul goes on to talk about anger. I don't think most of it. What's the opposite of truth? Anger? No. Verse 26, it leads Paul to talk about, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So the topic of truth leads Paul to talk about anger. Anger gives the devil a foot in the door. We'll talk a little bit next week about how we fight the devil as we get to the end of chapter 6. But anger gives the devil a foot in the door. And in our culture, anger and depression are rampant. Anger is often connected with depression. I have a pastor friend. He knows when he's depressed. He feels like swearing. His testimony to me. He's angry. He gets mad. I know when I'm depressed. Anger is right there, ready to flare up. But you know what's interesting in our society? I think more and more anger is result, re, showing its, its ugly head. People lashing out. If the Jewish bombing of the Jewish synagogue in Pittsburgh is another example of somebody lashing out in anger, our society is becoming more and more polarized. We create our own little groups, and we look for the next group that we want to fight. And you hear it in the way one side talks about the other. I mean, more and more. I mean, just take it from the top to the bottom. From Parliament... And the way they conduct themselves in the House of Commons, yelling and screaming across the board. Oh, no, they're talking to the Speaker of the House. 
uh, the, big, the big guy across the hall there. And so that kind of anger, right? And we lash out. And so more and more, my sociology 1.0, Larry sociology 1.0, whatever, more and more polarized, more and more, because we're angry about something. And so we get in this little huddle with people who are also angry about the same things with us. And then we just, right, throw grenades over to the other group. The parliament, down the street level. Tell me we're not more polarized. Tell me it's not harder to listen to a different view. Tell me it's not harder to listen to someone else's view. Is that how the Church of Jesus Christ is to function? Remember our situation last week? We talked about it last week in, in these little house churches in the city of Ephesus, and, and they're sitting in a circle of 25 or 30 or so people in this house church, and the elder is reading the letter to the Ephesians from Paul, and they're sitting in, in chapter 2, this uh, Jewish person who has come to Christ is sitting there looking across the room, and and... Paul's talking about how Jews and Gentiles are now one. There is no difference. They're all one. Jew and Gentile have become one new being, one new entity in Christ. And the Jewish person who's from some area of Galilee knows that that, that Roman Gentile soldier, his regiment a couple years back wiped out the hometown of your cousin back in Galilee. How do you feel about that Roman Gentile? And and Paul just told you that you and him are one. How do you feel? Your cousins are dead because of his regiment. Paul says, no, you guys are one. In Christ, you guys are one. You are a whole new being, something the world has never seen. Verse 28, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. This is hard work. This is hard work. Chapter 4, verse 29, Paul now goes to the, the way we talk. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. When I first went into ministry, 40 plus years ago, I remember the shock I had when I was hanging out with a couple pastors, leaders in our denomination, we were kind of in some back rooms, I forget where it was, at our church or whatever, I just... I remember, now, mind you, you know about memory, right? Over time, memory, we kind of enhance them and fill in the gaps a little bit. And it, What I remember, though, was my shock at the kind of jokes and the kind of things these two senior pastors, senior leaders in our denomination were telling. I just kind of went, oh. I'd been working at Sears for four years, and not that working for Sears isn't like working in the past in terms of atmosphere and culture, right? And language that's used. But 
it was kind of the same kind of jokes that were told at the Sears lunchroom with the guy. And I went, wow. How important, how important is it that no unwholesome talk? Does the content, and you know what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 26? You know what Jesus says? I was reminded of this as I was putting this together. Matthew eleven twenty six. We are all accountable for every idle, King James Version, every idle word, every thoughtless, mindless, fruitless, pointless, every fruitless, pointless, thoughtless word that we say, we are accountable for. <laughs> With this great privilege. It's a great responsibility. To the point where Paul says, don't forget that that kind of conduct will grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's the kind of question we use when, when candidates come through for our dating council. How do you know the Holy Spirit is a person, not just an it or a thing or a force? How do you know that? Well, because you can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person who feels it, just like you and I feel it when someone throws a dart at us. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So here Paul's going back to the benefits and the privileges. You were sealed, you were secure in your relationship with God through the Holy Spirit who came into your life. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God has forgiven you through the Spirit. Verse 5, chapter 5. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. That's not hard to figure out, is it? Our goal, our responsibility, the, the thing we shoot for is to be an imitator of God so that when they see us, hear us, watch us, listen to us, they're seeing God in action. But not just us as individually, us as a church. Because the body of Christ reveals the person of Christ and the person of the Father to the world. Our church is to be imitators of God as dearly loved children, living a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What does it mean? What does it look like? What does it sound like to be an imitator of God? I looked through a few different paraphrases to kind of put it more in street language, because sometimes some of these lists that come up in the Bible, I don't think we quite get the picture. So I looked at a couple different paraphrases. I went back to the J.B. Phillips paraphrase from the 60s. I went to the message by Eugene Peterson. Um, the best place that describes what Paul's talking about here, just close your Bibles and listen, okay? I'm going to read verses 3 to 10, 3 to 11 uh, of chapter 5, just from the New Living Translation, because I think it just helps us allow the picture to form in our heads. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Now we're back to the talk stuff. Obscene stories. <laughs> Not just the talk stuff, all right? Watch stuff. Or listen to stuff. I love oldies channels. I love oldies channels. I don't know what I was 
I was listening to the same songs when I was younger, in the 70s, in the 60s. I really wasn't paying attention to me. Now that I'm older, I hear the words and I go, really? That's what that song was about? We all need to have a clue. Verse 4. Let there be no obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is really an idolater who worships the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the terrible anger of God comes upon all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For though your hearts were once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord. Here's the then and now. Once you were full of darkness, now you are full of, full of light from the Lord. Not just a bit of light. Not just some light. Not just growing light. You are full of light from the Lord. And your behavior should show it. I gotta be honest with you. If a 67 year old pastor had been telling me this back when I was your age, I'd have been, yeah, 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 I know. I get it. I get it. For though your hearts were once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord, and your behavior should show it. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Work at it with all your might, my paraphrase. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. It's shameful even talking about And so where Paul's going here in this part of chapter 5 is he's sort of taking this thing of in the world, not of the world, that all of us as Christians wrestle with. And he says, at some point, you've got to draw the line. But make sure you're in the world. It doesn't matter that you're arm's length away from You're never going to reach anybody. Twenty um, verse uh, 11, 12, and 13. At some point, you need to draw the line. Philippians chapter 2. Let your light shine in the midst of a dark and crooked, perverse generation. You have to be in the middle of it. You have to be out there in it, but there are places to draw the line. Nowhere to draw the line. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. You have to be engaged here. You have to be understanding what's happening around you. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or excess. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And that's addressed not, I think a lot of times we sort of take that individually and talk about being filled. What if Esteban Elias Church was filled with the Spirit? Is Esteban Elias Church filled with the Spirit? There's been all kinds of fullness talk. This isn't the first time Paul's talked about the fullness 
of God and the fullness of Jesus and the fullness of the Spirit. In fact, if we were to go back, and go back with me, because these verses are important, because we kind of skipped over them before. I want to make sure we land back on them, because we've gone kind of quickly. Chapter 1, verse 23. Ephesians 1, 23. Here's what God is doing, what his goal is in Jesus. Verse 22. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. So the church is the body of Christ. It is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I think most of us know Jesus is filling everything in every way. That's what he got as his, um, after the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, God exalted him to the highest place. And he, he fills everything. But wait a second, his body, which is the fullness of him. As the vandalized church is the fullness of Christ. Chapter 2, verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 19. At the end of this Jew-Gentile, you are one new entity thing that the, the, the two people in that little scenario might have had a hard time with. You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members in God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone. Psalm 118. Edwin read from the last part of Psalm 118. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God lives by his spirit in the church. In the old covenant, it was in the temple. And you know what happened to Isaiah in the temple? And we know what happened to the elders in Revelation chapter 5, in the presence of God. We sang about it this morning. Where Christ lives as a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's us. He fills it. 319. Chapter 3, verse 19. To know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the full measure of the fullness of God. Chapter 4, verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of perfection found in Christ. And now Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. The blessings, the benefits, the privileges just continue to pour out because that's how God works. And so Paul wants his readers, Paul wants the Ephesian Christians, Paul wants us to just simply acknowledge the fact that this fullness is there. It's not something we have to create. It's not something we have to look for. It's not something we have to chase after. It's already there. If we will turn our hearts towards the reality of what God has done for us. The song said, filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the mention of your name. At the mention of your name. Jews and Gentiles together, two become one, a dwelling of God by the Spirit. Or, as we're going to be talking about in just a few weeks, Emmanuel. God with us. That's the full, that's... God with wherever, whenever, whatever we're doing. That is the blessing. That is the benefit. That is the privilege that we have as a follower of Jesus. The church is the living presence of Christ. I was reminded of that when I, I guess I better stay here. Better quit wandering. <laughs> Don't blame Luther. Blame me. Here's a new habit for you. Whenever something goes wrong with this, and by the way, Susanna, great job handling the mic and the humming. You didn't, you just kept going. That's so, so hard to do. 
That's that's wonderful. I mean, that's just really good, right? Next time something goes wrong with the mic, don't don't look at the back. That's the hardest job. That's the hardest job in any church. You guys do a great job. You have a great team here. When Paul was persecuting the Christians, when Paul was persecuting the Christians, remember what Jesus said to him? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Can I say anything to us this morning here is who we are at Estevan Alliance Church? We are the body of Christ. We're not the only body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Now, for all the benefits and the privileges and the blessings that Paul is talking about that have come to the Ephesian Christians have come to us as well. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And here's what that looks like. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the Father in everything, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 21 is part of that sentence. The NIV doesn't do a good job with the grammar here. But verse 21 is part of the fruit of, of, of the filling of the Spirit. And submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That kind of humility, that kind of teachability, that kind of understanding, that doesn't happen when we're in our little pods and our little pockets and we're, you know, it, we need to break. <laughs> What's the song we sang at the end of last service and kind of what Angie was talking about the hospital? Change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here. Change the atmosphere. We just need to work out because that outside culture is easily, easily working its way into churches. Not to be polarized, but to be united. In what? In the love of Christ. I'm going to invite Edwin and the team to come and lead us in our closing two songs as we draw to a conclusion our service this morning. I invite you to stand with us.